If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your private health insurance plan, you can keep your plan, period. If you are among the hundreds of millions of Americans who already have health insurance through your job, or Medicare, or Medicaid, or the VA, nothing in this plan will require you or your employer to change the coverage of the doctor you have. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. This is America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. America's Healthcare Challenge is produced and sponsored by E.D. Bellis. Now, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Coming to you live from the American heartland, this is America's Healthcare Challenge. Hope you're having a great week. Sean McGuire here talking about uh, all of the latest things, and I'm super excited about our program here today because it's the first of a series that we're going to be bringing to you, the listening audience, here to help you make some big decisions that are coming in the fall as it relates to your wallet in particular. And that is because of rising health insurance premiums and open enrollment just coming up right around the corner. And we've got some fantastic guests here on the program to help get us through uh, the maze that is coming. Uh, joined this week uh, by Brian Munderlow here on the program. Brian, how you doing? Brian's going to be riding shotgun with me here in the studio, and Stuart's going to be joining us from uh, the sunny state of Florida. How you doing today, Brian? Great to be here, Sean. Great to be here. Should have walked here. It's beautiful outside, so if you can get outside and listen while you walk, I think that would be a great opportunity. We're going to be talking about some wellness today, so that's uh, that's prefacing uh, a little bit uh a little bit up to come. So, Stuart, how you doing today? Terrific. Great. So glad to have you here. Uh, today's going to be a, a program called uh, Tools to Use in Selecting a Benefit Plan from the Choices that Will Be Offered to Me in 2017. And I'd like to just preface the conversation, gentlemen, uh, with the news that came out this week uh, from Anthem or from Aetna, which is the third largest insurer in the country. Uh, releasing that they lost $300 million a year on their Affordable Care Act or Obamacare block of business, and they are having a serious evaluation on what the future is for that and them in that part of their business. And, Stuart, I wanted to uh, get your reaction to that before we um, dive into these things because I think that really sets the stage for, for these decisions for people that we talked about the last time we spoke and that, there's going to be some less choice in the marketplace, and that's why we wanted to bring in these tools here today. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good point. Uh, however, yesterday, the Justice Department indicated that of the two pending lawsuits against them by the insurance companies that want to join together, they're going to allow one to go forward because the one uh, between uh, Aetna and Cigna if they don't uh, have at least a hearing on it, that deal is completely off the table as of January 1. So the Justice Department is going to allow one of the two lawsuits that was stopped a couple of weeks ago to move forward. Mm, wow, that's that's really big developing developing news, uh, mm -hmm. Stuart. Um, uh, let's lead off with some wellness benefits. And, and Brian's got some, uh, some information that he's going to chime in with it as well. He found uh, some kind of... Uh, interesting solutions that people might not have thought of. Uh, but, Stuart, why are wellness things so important? What's the value uh, to the to the person that's uh, out there listening as they're driving around or working in the yard 
and uh, how can they use these wellness benefits long term? Well, <clears throat> the wellness benefits from an employer's perspective uh, can really produce health uh, savings. Uh, the understanding is that again, if if this is is made broader to the audience, uh, then the audience will go ahead and make the changes that are necessary. For example, simple things like just going ahead and get a, a biometric screening, you know, going to see your your physician once a year, and having a wellness program actually pay for that, or have a reduction in cost, is a major development. The other thing is is having physical and dental exams. Uh, having a weight loss uh, program, disease management program, uh, possibly active gym participation, and also smoking uh, smoking cessation. Uh, these obviously vary from employer to employer, uh, but also the ACA has allowed monetary provisions uh, to incentivize employees to go ahead and take and you know make use of those programs. Uh, it helps the employees, helps the employers. Uh, only 46% of employers, uh, you know, have actually measured what their wellness programs have returned. But 68% moving forward this year have indicated they're going to put together a robust uh, wellness program. So the handwriting is on the wall. With the increases that are coming, this is one of the tools that employers can provide to make sure that their employees are, have access to healthier ways of doing things uh, and also uh, possibly be a healthier uh, population. I, I agree, Stuart. I agree. And um, I was just curious if you had any information on of that 43% uh, that are measuring uh, the success, you know, how successful is it for those folks that are employing these well, programs? Well, again, it's been very successful. But again, you know, it's 46% of large employers. Uh, you know, that's not saying very much in terms of small employers who either are not billing those programs uh, into their, the plans they're offering. And we're talking about both on and off the Obamacare exchanges. So they may not have the financial wherewithal, you know, to, to pack those into their benefits offering. But more and more of them will uh, for the simple reason is they want to attract and retain healthier employees. Right. Yeah, just to add a little bit, you know, small versus large employers and, and has wellness fit in uh, for the small employer? Because uh, what, where the small employer kind of falls behind is they don't have access to the same data that large companies can have. Of course, it's all, you know, protected uh, for employee privacy, but carriers won't even release aggregated reports on the small group market. Uh, what, what prescriptions are employees taking? What are some of the common insurance you know, codes that, 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 that they're using, even things like uh, Im like reasons for emergency room visits and, and other ways that wellness can really uh, empower an employer to, to target and to measure that, uh, that reduction or that cost savings. From a small employer perspective, it's a little bit harder, but things are changing. Of course, we're seeing a lot more small employers look into some uh, kind of self-funded or alternative funded uh, plans, and that does not only does that get you out of some of the under the the community rating, but even maybe even more substantial is it gives a smaller employer access to the data and the levers to pull, so they can say, "Hey, look, I have 
10% of my employees on this medication for diabetes. Maybe diabetes should be something that I focus on mm-hmm. or high blood pressure or, or whatnot. And so that, that's just there's, there, there is, uh, there, it's harder for a smaller, smaller employer when they're looking at benefits. And so when I'm uh, consulting with them, uh, sometimes you got to focus on more productivity, more, you know, how are your employees stressed out, right? If you look at it, most uh, employees are stressed out. They're not use, even using their vacation days uh, and things like that to de-stress. And so wellness speaks both to uh, saving money on healthcare costs, but it also uh, equates to productivity. It, you're, you know, then that's going to be, you know, employees that are focused on their jobs. Uh, and there's many different ways that employers can do that. And so I would encourage any employer, no matter if you can see the data or not, uh, that there are things that you can be doing uh, right now, simple things um, that you know come come across your desk every day that you can you can uh, you can hold on to. I know that there's uh, you know that there seems to be a a, a a run for kind of any any sort of sickness, and so maybe you have an employee that uh, has had a, a relative or a family member with. Uh, you know, with uh, I'm thinking about running for my father in the prostate cancer run, right? So that that's something where that can be championed, and you can champion that for your employees and kind of kind of broaden the mindset. Right, right. Anything else to add, Stuart, on on the wellness front? Yeah, his points are well taken. I I, I think I would focus in on the generation groups within right. that employer, right? <clears throat> so that you know, it's one thing to look at large versus small. We know that small employers don't have access to the data. Uh, not only from an employer standpoint, but also uh, from a state standpoint, uh, you know, you can fight a carrier in terms of releasing claims experience, which they won't do on their 100 lives, and they will fight you tooth and nail. So his point in terms of looking at the population of a particular employer, particularly the small employer, there are things that can be done in the wellness area which really will help the employees as well as that employer. Right, right. Absolutely. And uh, to kind of play off that, you know, as far as the different uh, segments that we talk about millennials a lot and how do you engage millennials. And I, I just read an article and I'll just share share one thing for you to be thinking about if you're an employer with millennials who's thinking, how am I going to do a benefit plan? Uh, basically, they say there's an app for that. OK, so if you have a, a millennial, uh, they, they say you need to be legit. You need to be uh, keep it simple. And there's an app for that. And so um, if you're interested in, in hearing more about that article, I could share it. But uh, there, there are vast differences between uh, wellness for someone who's, you know, 50 or 60 to someone who's, you know, 30 or 20. And their motivations are vastly different as well. And so that's well stated, Stuart, to look at uh, your employees in terms of the, the generational uh, differences in how they approach a wellness program because you're going to have to engage uh, them differently. Right, right, exactly. Hey, let's uh, let's take a time out, uh, guys, here on America's Healthcare Challenge with Stuart Sloan, and he's the president of SIG Consulting, and Brian Munderlow, uh, employee benefit consultant at Garvey and Associates, and me, Sean McGuire, here on America's Healthcare Challenge. We're we're helping you make your um, Uh, make you aware of these difficult decisions that both uh, employers, uh, large and small, are going to be facing, and then you as an individual uh, are going to be facing as uh, as these changes uh, really come in a very, very volatile 2017 that is coming down the road. Coming up a little bit later, we're going to be talking about some telemedicine opportunities. We're going to be talking about uh, how do you afford to keep your doctor, uh, a really important thing. And uh, some more things uh, as related to HMOs versus EPOs, which is the best one and how do you navigate that. 
We'll be talking about all of those things here uh, coming up next. At any point, if you would like to call in with your questions, 402-342-1290 or 1-800-577-1290. We'll be back right after this. This is News Talk 1290. Omaha's stimulating conversation. Over 90 years of Omaha Radio. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful